one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedikin. Desi, let's start off by thanking some of our most recent Patreon subscribers. Yeah. They they subscribed over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. We're not gonna read all the subscribers from the past two weeks. We'll those will roll over for next week. Yeah, if we don't get you tonight, you'll get there next week. We will shout you out. Yeah. We don't care how little you uh, pledge on Patreon, you will get a shout out. Absolutely. Okay, so we have Henry, Brandon, Becky, Annalisa, Imran, Shannon, Jane, Adam, Sophie, Jonathan, Michael, Simono, Crystal, Leanne, James, Paula, Maximina, Jen, Ashley, Kelly, another Kelly, Nicole, Paige, Talina, Stephanie, Liv, Jasmine, Colleen, Smidgen, James, Betsy, Danny, Celine, Michelle, Amy, Terry, Austin, Michelle, Honor, Lisa, Kelly, Karen, Becky, Miss Bridget, Sylvia, Rachel, January, Elsa, AJ, Kate, Mary. Maureen, Molly, Lindsay, Hope, Amanda, Anne, Karen, Alicia, Dan, Cheryl, Lauren, Ellen, Lee, Alina, Seton, Emmy, Rebecca, Laurel, Jenna, Stephanie, Leanne, Lee, Lee Cat, Sarah, Roxanne, Tony, Tammy, and Brittany. Oh my gosh. I just read all of them. You got it. We have some more recent ones that we're going to read next week. So it's not like an hour. Thanks, guys. That was so many. Seriously, you guys, uh, we we really thank you from the bottom of our heart for to all of our listeners. But uh, thank you to our Patreon subscribers because you help us put more content out there. Yeah. And we want to put more content out there. Absolutely. You, you help support the show. Okay, now let's talk about tonight's episode. This is going to be a two-parter. It is a very juicy story. We are going to be doing a movie versus reality about the 1970 movie, The Honeymoon Killers. Desi, do you like this movie? Absolutely. I mean, it's a cult classic. It is a cult classic. It came out in 1970, but it is black and white. Yep. It is has a very uh, gritty feel, as some critics have described. Yes. I, I mean, it's low budget, for sure. It's definitely low budget. Did you know that Martin Scorsese was set to direct? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Wow. But at the last minute, Leonard Castle? I think the reason I watched this movie is because of John Waters. Uh, oh. I think that he mentioned it being one of his favorites. I, it and makes that's sense. how I saw it. Yeah, totally. It, I mean, the movie... Well, the lead actress in that is uh, definitely up his alley. <laughs> the lead actress in The Honeymoon Killers reminds me so much of 
well, her character in this in yeah. this film reminds me so much of Don Davenport. Yeah, she's great. She has <laughs> she has, <laughs> she has the way she plays Martha Beck. She has a totally Don Davenport energy. Yeah. One of my favorite lines in the movie is early on where she's like, "Leave me alone. I'm hungry." <laughs> that seems like a merch line. For <laughs> I think we should turn it into merch. Yeah, it sounds good. If we could have someone draw a sketch of, I'm going to post that picture in our Instagram stories this week. Okay, good. a screen cap from that. So this movie, The Honeymoon Killers, was based on a real life crime, and the movie is like uses the exact same names as the real life right. killers. Now, my main source for this episode is the book called The Lonely Hearts Killers, The Bloody Passions of Martha Beck and Raymond Fernandez by Tobin T. Buke, or Buck. <laughs> <It's a> ve- <laughs> this, is a, this is a very interesting book. Uh, there was a book that came out about this case, which I'll mention a little bit in our story. In the 50s, a book came out, and there were some sort of rumors that were later debunked. I think this author does a very good job at combing through a lot of the myths surrounding right. these these two um, murderers. people, murderers. Yeah. The author of this book talks about how, like, you know, a lot of killers that they were known to embellish yeah. on certain facts of their lives or you know, maybe say things to, to shock people. Right. So that, this is a good, great source, I felt. But because this story is so juicy, it has to be two parts. Great. Let's just get started. It was January of 1949, and a 31-year-old woman named Delphine Downing had been exchanging letters with a charming man in his 30s named Charles Martin for about a month now. They had met via a Lonely Hearts Club around Christmas time of 1948. Delphine was a widow and the mother of a young girl named Raynell, and they were living in a house in Wyoming Township, Michigan, which is a suburb of Grand Rapids. She was falling head over heels for Charles, who was a wealthy businessman from Manhattan. Delphine was born in Nebraska in 1917, the youngest of four girls. When she was in her 20s, she was visiting one of her sisters in Los Angeles when she met her future husband and father and the father of her daughter, an army man named Roland Downing. The pair had a long-distance relationship, keeping in touch via letters, until he was discharged from the army and they got married in 1944. They welcomed baby Raynell two years later in 1946. Roland and Delphine moved back to Michigan where they settled into their modest home in Wyoming. Tragedy struck in November of 1947 when Roland was out driving his truck and was struck by a passenger train and killed. (gasps) Though she was far from her hometown and her family in Nebraska, Delphine was close with her father-in-law, as well as her next-door neighbors, the Sullivans. Delphine never expected to marry again, but she was lonely, so she joined this dating service known as the Lonely Hearts Club. Oh my God. Now, the Lonely Hearts Club, that's just like a nickname for a personal ad. Right. It's through the newspaper. It's through the newspapers. This is obviously before dating apps. Yeah. So people would place personal ads like 
single white female. Yeah. And you'd be like, I'm interested in a single white female. I'm, I'm going to write to this broad. <laughs> yeah. So the man that Delphine was corresponding with, Charles Martin, seemed to be a really great guy. On January 23rd, 1949, Delphine was getting ready to meet Charles in person for the first time. He was arriving from Manhattan with his sister, Martha. The siblings initially checked into a hotel, but after a few days of hanging out with them, Delphine felt comfortable enough with letting Charles and Martha Martin stay with her at her house. It wasn't long before Charles and Delphine began talking about getting married. Wow. Charles had game. Yeah. I mean, this was like, we're talking about a a matter of like a week. After meeting in person. After meeting in person for the first time. How long were they writing to each other? A month. Okay. Wow. That's fast. Yeah. Delphine's friends were in shock that their friend wanted to marry this guy that she hardly knew. And there was just something off about him, too. For one thing, they didn't believe he was rich. Yeah. They were like, I can just tell this is not a rich man. Also, the sister seems <laughs> seems weird that you would travel with your sister. No? Well, I think that that like was disarming to Delphine. Oh, well, why would uh, a creepo arrive with his sister? Oh, I see. It's like another So she woman. saw it as a good thing. Yes. Like, oh, okay, he came with his sister. It's not just him alone. Yeah. There's another woman here who's not who's blood related or whatever. Yeah. Like and we believe everything he's saying. <laughs> friends also became concerned because Charles began isolating Delphine oh, boy. from them. Yeah. Sort of all of a sudden she wasn't really available. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't around to hang out. She was with Charles and that's and Martha. Not, and, and Martha. <laughs> and that's not a good sign, right? No. A neighbor friend said of Charles, quote, none of the neighbors I know liked him at all. He was kind of sinister looking. Mm. Delphine's girlfriends got together to do some sleuthing. Now, the ladies couldn't just go and stalk his Instagram page, so they had to do some 1940s sleuthing, and they took down his license plate number and contacted the local sheriff's department. Oh, The sheriff got in touch with the police in New York who said that the car was registered to a guy named Raymond Fernandez. From there, the ladies contacted the FBI and were like, who is Raymond Fernandez? And they're like, "Uh, I don't know, but his record came back clean. Okay. On February 2nd, Charles and Delphine threw a party to celebrate them getting married, though no records of their marriage were ever found. But Hmm. they said, they're like, we're married. Yeah. She told her friends that she had met Charles at a bus station because she was embarrassed that they had met through a personal ad. Oh. There was like a lot of this sort of like people being, like women being embarrassed. At least in this book I read, there was like a few instances where it was like, oh, that's embarrassing. Yes. Maybe it's kind of like how in the early 2000s people were embarrassed to do online dating. Like OkCupid or whatever. Even before that, like when it was just like two sites, like right. match or whatever. Yeah. But now it's so common. Now it's very common. But it, maybe in the beginning it was like not taken as seriously. Or like, oh, that's desperate. Yes. E- yeah. Even though it's whatever. People meet online all the time. So she was like, yeah, we met at the bus stop. I don't know if I that's like how better. That's, I, <laughs> I was going to say, how? <laughs> He he did that thing where he took his trench coat off and he put yeah. it over a puddle. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say he opened it. Oh. 
he flashed her his He flashed dick. me and it was love at first sight. <laughs> but this didn't stop Delphine's friends' suspicions of Charles or Raymond or whoever the hell this guy was. Yeah. Delphine took her new husband to Nebraska to meet her family. Delphine also told her sister Zora a different story of how she met this guy. She said that she had met Charles through his sister Martha, who was a nurse. She said that Martha had assisted her when she was giving birth to little Raynell. Oh, wow. So she goes back even more personal. Charles was able to ingratiate himself with Delphine's parents with his charming personality and his outward affection towards little Raynell. When Delphine, Charles, and his sister Martha returned to Michigan, they began packing up Delphine's house for her to move to New York with her new husband. She made preparations to sell her home immediately. Her real estate agent found it odd that her new husband wanted to sell the property as quickly as possible. On Monday, February 28th, Charles and his sister Martha were packing up the car to head to New York. The neighbor, Mrs. Sullivan, spied them through her window. She hadn't spoken to Delphine since Friday, and she had become really concerned. The last she had heard of her friend and neighbor was actually on Saturday afternoon because she could hear Delphine's voice coming from the house, but she didn't see her. Mm -hmm. So she called the sheriff's department to report Delphine missing. God, everyone is calling the sheriff's department in this town. These neighbors are quite nosy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even though it might pay off, but still. Very nosy. The police arrived at Delphine's home that evening and saw Charles's car out front packed to the brim with suitcases. They knocked on the door and Charles and Martha answered. Charles told the officers that Delphine wasn't home because she had already left on a train headed for New York that Friday and that little Raynell was staying with relatives in Detroit. But the police immediately sensed something was fishy about this whole situation. So they searched the home and when they went into the basement, they found a slab of wet concrete. Ooh. They're like, this is a, I'm pretty sure this isn't just a home renovation. Right. Yeah. I mean, doesn't take a, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't take a fucking rocket detective to rocket detective, figure that right. shit out. Charles and Martha were taken downtown to the station. I don't know if it was actually downtown, but right. they were taken down to the station by the two policemen for questioning while the remaining officers stayed behind at the house to secure the scene for further examination. At the station, police discovered a wad of cash on Charles containing over $4,000. Whoa. That's a lot of money. Yeah. They also discovered a list of women's names in his pocket. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Are you putting on your little detective Things hat? Are start- yeah, I'm picturing the neighbors kind of all, like, oh, taking notes. Like, and also the neighbor looking out her window <laughs> as they secure the crime scene. <laughs> Yeah, this was probably a big day for her. Totally. Back at the house, the police dug into the concrete with large pickaxes and revealed a large hole filled with murky water beneath the patch of new cement that had just been poured. At the bottom of a hole was the body of Delphine (gasps) Downing. Her body had been wrapped in a blanket with a pillow that was stained with blood. Her hands were bound with rope, and there was a bullet hole in the center of her forehead. She was presumed to have been killed late in the afternoon on Saturday or early in the evening on Saturday. 
At the station, officers informed Charles that they had found Delphine's body. He knew the jig was up, so he just let it all out. Oh. Now, there are varying reports on what caused Charles to murder Delphine that Saturday evening, but the story that has been told the most is that Delphine saw her husband one morning without his toupee. Oh. And she's like, well, I didn't know you were bald. Damn, that's harsh. I mean, what if he was a good guy? (laughs) (laughs) I think she was like, if you're lying about this, what else are you lying about? Right. Or maybe she just made a snippy comment that set him off too, right? Like, Right. Yeah. There's, I mean, look, he, they got into a fight about this, which led to a fight about money. And although it is true that he did wear a toupee, Tobin Buck, the author of The Lonely Hearts Killers, says that it seems unlikely that Delphine wouldn't have known her husband wore a wig, considering that they had been fucking. I mean, also, they're pretty obvious, usually. Well, yeah, I bet. Especially back then, if you didn't have a good one. Dude, in 1949, people were probably wearing, like, you know, a beaver skin on their head. No, that's literally, it's like basically that Davy Crockett hat without a tail. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it's, it's like not, they're bad. Or Even they, like the richest people. They you look could like tell. fucking Wooly Willy. Yeah. Like uh, no one's buying that. This is before the hair club for men. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they have nice ones now. Yeah. But back then, and he's not rich. Like he didn't have a good one probably. No. They asked Charles what happened to Delphine's daughter, two-year-old <gasps> Raynell, oh. and he said, she's in the little green box. Sure enough, stuffed inside a green footlocker, which had belonged to Delphine's deceased husband, Roland, was the body of Raynell Downing. The condition of the body showed that Raynell hadn't been dead for very long. She had been murdered as recently as Monday evening, which was only a few hours before officers initially arrived on the scene. The official cause of Raynell's death was asphyxiation due to drowning in a wash basin filled with muddy water near her own mother's grave. The same wash basin that they used to bail water out of the hole that they stuffed Delphine's body into. Injuries on her head indicated that she had been hit with a blunt object after she died, which was most likely done to ensure that she was dead. Charles Martin told officers that his real name matched the name on his car's registration, which was Raymond Fernandez. But the real shocker came when he revealed that Martha Martin was actually Martha Beck, and she wasn't his sister, she was his girlfriend. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) I mean, that is a hard left turn. Yeah. Thinking, Thinking some two people are siblings. And they're really boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah. Honestly, actually, it would be weirder if you thought someone was like boyfriend, girlfriend, and then they're like, actually, that's my sister. Ooh, yeah. That's that'd, creepy. That'd be fucked up, yeah, right? Very fucked up. Raymond Martinez Fernandez was born on December 17th, 1914, in Hawaii. Him and his parents moved to California when he was three years old, and soon after, they relocated to the East Coast, where the family lived in Connecticut for a time. In 1932, when Raymond was 18, he was invited to live in Spain with his uncle. Raymond jumped at the chance to escape his overbearing father and start his life over there. In Spain, he met and married a woman named Agnesia Alanaso, and they had a son named Carl together. 
Raymond traveled back to the States after their kid was born for reasons that are unclear, but returned to Spain six months later because their son had gotten sick. Though he had plans to eventually return to the U.S., Raymond would stay in Spain for the next 12 years of his life. Raymond and his wife had another child, a son named Ralph, and then in 1938, he joined the Spanish Marines. In 1940, his daughter Francisca was born. And also in 1940, Raymond joined the British intelligence as a spy. Raymond's charismatic personality served him well in extracting information from sailors at the docks of the Iberian Peninsula. He received praise from the higher-ups in the British Defense Security Office, and he made a pretty good living. In 1945, Raymond's fourth child, a daughter named Gloria, was born. With the war over and Raymond seeking new opportunities to provide for his family, Raymond found work aboard an oil tanker headed for Curaçao. From there, he planned to travel to the U.S. During his journey to Curaçao, Raymond was struck on the head by a metal hatch, rendering him unconscious. Wow. Big head injury alert here. He was in a coma for two days and had significant damage to his frontal lobe. Damn. The injury was believed to have caused permanent changes to Raymond's psyche. Raymond would cite memory loss, dizziness, headaches, and an increased sex drive as some of the side effects. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that head injuries could make you horny. I mean, I thought it was more about decision-making and uh, keeping your emotions in check, like the frontal lobe, right? Yeah. Because isn't that why they say... Maybe it's like an impulsive... Yeah, like, like he I, couldn't control himself, maybe. I need to fuck anything yeah. now. Yes. Raymond spent three months in the hospital recovering from his injuries. In 1946, while working aboard an American oil tanker, Raymond was busted for stealing $53 worth of linens from the ship. Now, because this was considered government property, Raymond was sentenced to five months in a federal prison in Tallahassee, Florida. According to Wenzel Brown's 1952 book called Introduction to Murder, Raymond became obsessed with the dark arts while in prison. What is this? (laughs) Dark arts? (laughs) That's what, like fucking Harry Potter or something. Exactly. He became obsessed with anything that was like black magic, witchcraft, voodoo. Everything seems like an amalgamation of like... What year is it now? This is 1946. Okay. Yes. That's funny. So this is the, the first book that was written about the case. This book is out of print. Okay. Uh, it's one of those books where you look it up and it's like $900 to buy. Right. Uh, so the book said that Raymond believed that he could control women if he had a lock of their hair and cast a spell on it. This is like Richard Ramirez vibes. Totally. Uh, apparently he learned about all about voodoo and the dark arts from his cellmate. Okay. And he was really into all these like, um, voodoo dolls and like having mind control over people. Creepy. But there is little evidence to suggest that any of this is true beyond a statement that was allegedly made by Raymond's sister to that author. I see. But that, of course, I was like, I was like, well, yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> I didn't realize that his interest in it was not necessarily true. Yeah. No, but because it was printed in this book, yeah. it sort of became lore. Right. Oh, right. Because that's very interesting. Of course. Yeah. 
and he was into Satan. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. I mean, of course, look, look, look what that did to Richard Ramirez. Totally. Look what that did That's for him. That's reminded me of it. That, I think he also had an element of control, like that he could control them at some point, right? I mean, like, that yeah. can, that can put a serial killer on the map. Yeah. So yes, there, there, there isn't, it's never mentioned in any trial transcripts or newspaper right. reports. It's not even, he didn't even mention this himself in his confessions, right. which is something you'd think he would mention considering he's such a fucking narcissist. Yes. When Raymond was released from prison, he moved to New York. It was here that he started corresponding with women through the Lonely Hearts ads. In 1947, he started exchanging letters with a woman from New York named Jane Wilson Thompson, and they found themselves in a whirlwind love affair. Raymond took Jane with him to Spain that September. It was in Spain that she suddenly died. (gasps) The cause of death was ruled to be an intestinal ailment. Following her death, Raymond was awarded the entirety of Jane's estate. Hmm as was stipulated in her will, which, of course, had recently been changed. She had left him all of her belongings as well as the entirety of her stock portfolio. Her mother, Pearl, was left nothing. Mm. Raymond decided, though, he would split the life insurance money with the mom. (laughs) Pearl, who had lived with her daughter Jane in New York, left their apartment and moved to South Carolina. So Raymond moved into Jane's place. Okay. He immediately began writing letters to new women. And it wasn't until after his arrest that authorities in both New York and Spain began to question the validity of the will and the circumstances of Jane's death. Right. They're like, well... Let's look into this now. Let's look into (laughs) this other death that occurred around him. They also feared that Raymond had murdered Jane's mother, but fortunately she was found alive and located in South Carolina. The police in Spain learned that Raymond had purchased digitalis from a pharmacy two days before Jane had died. What's that? It's foxglove. Oh. That's like the scientific name for it. Now, foxglove is a plant that does have some medicinal uses, but it is poisonous to humans and animals. But Jane Wilson's death was never determined with any certainty to have been a homicide. They couldn't prove that. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Not long after Jane died, Raymond Fernandez began corresponding with 27-year-old Martha Beck. Martha was born Martha Jewel Seabrook in Milton, Florida on May 6, 1920. According to Martha, she was molested by her older brother Dudley twice when she was 13 years old. The two incidents occurred just 10 days apart. Martha was ashamed and didn't tell her mother. That is, until that is, she says, until she became pregnant and had no choice. By the brother? Yes. So he was doing a little more than molesting her. Well, that's, that she did say, she was like, it was, it, she was asked, like, was it intercourse? And she said, yes. How old was the brother? I, in his So teens. they're older. She's older, obviously. She's I mean, 13. if she can get it pregnant. She's only 13. Okay. And the brother's older. Okay, so he's a few years older. Yes. Okay. So she became pregnant and had no choice but to... Tell her mom. Tell her mom what's going on. Dudley, her brother, admitted to the assault. Martha's mother blamed Martha for her own assault. <gasps> she was did not treat her well. Yeah. Did not handle this well at all. Then, according to Martha, she fed her a mixture of turpentine and sugar to induce a miscarriage. Oh, my God. When that didn't work, she said her mom attempted a second DIY recipe that contained gunpowder, which did work because she got her period the next day. Oh, my God. That's fucking nuts. Also, I don't know that it necessarily worked. Like, she might have just had a miscarriage, too. Like, right. I mean, because I've, where would you even come up with these recipes? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, dude, I don't know. But Martha's mother was furious at her daughter for nearly ruining the family's reputation. And so she forbid her from most social activities. Oh, my God. Yeah. When she was allowed out, her mom went with her as a chaperone. And like everyone knew, everyone like would dunk on Martha because of this. Is the brother just like, <laughs> like how do you deal with like not even getting in trouble at all? Dude, the brother was like fucking Phew. like he didn't even get in trouble. Like that's crazy. Yeah, according to Martha, she did not have a good home life growing up. I mean, yeah. 
Martha also alleged that when she was 12 years old, her older sister Vera's husband propositioned her for a hand job. Oh, my God. So Martha has a lot of stories that she told about men being very inappropriate with her from obviously as young as 12 into her adulthood as well. We're going to get into that. Martha, Wait, where is she born? She is from Milton, Florida. Oh, Florida. It, it's a small, she's from Florida. It's <laughs> okay. a small town. So Martha also like developed very early. She got breasts when she was 10 years old. Okay. She was always struggled with her weight. She felt very insecure about her body. Right. There's a lot going on here with Martha. Martha graduated high school in 1938 at the top of her class. Her first career aspiration was to become a mortician, but Martha's mother said no, so she went to nursing school instead. She became a registered nurse in 1941. She said that during her time in nursing school, she suffered a head injury that led her to become unconscious for several hours. Oh, damn. Now... I don't know if this head injury actually occurred or if she said that she suffered a head injury after learning that Raymond had claimed he'd suffered a head injury. Now, Raymond actually... Meaning like, oh, I had a head injury too, like when they met or... Or that she told police later. I see. Okay. Martha got her own place and got a job working in a Pensacola hospital, but her mom came along with her. She just mom. She just could not get away from her mom. This prompted Martha to move to California just to get away from her mother and go buck wild on her own and finally have some independence. But she still couldn't escape her mom. The mom followed her to Vallejo, Vallejo, California. (sighs) Ugh, I hate this bitch. And was once again encroaching on her life. While working in the hospital, Martha said one of the doctors there tried to molest her and she was subsequently fired. This prompted her to return home and take a bottle of sleeping pills, but she survived this suicide attempt. Then, Martha says, she met her first husband, a Navy officer named Franklin Joseph Carmen. Now, there is no actual record of this marriage or any record proving this guy even existed. Hmm. Martha claimed that her mother sabotaged the relationship by telling Franklin that her daughter was insane. And she's like, Mom! And, <laughs> and Franklin obviously couldn't handle the mom. I mean, look, Franklin doesn't exist. But, but this is the story she's telling okay. about this guy. So in 1943, Martha sent herself a fake telegram from the Navy declaring that her husband had died in the Pacific. Damn. So she, to, to quote-unquote end the relationship... <laughs> In a way that would get her the most sympathy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And yeah. she would milk this fake death right. for a while. That December, Martha moved back to her hometown of Pensacola, and she landed a job as the superintendent of the Pensacola maternity home. The local paper even ran an announcement with a picture of Martha, and she was going by the name Mrs. Martha Carmen. After her, oh. fake, her fake dead husband's last name. Yeah. The blurb under the picture described how her late husband, Commander F.J. Carmen, was killed in action. Now, Desi, I found a picture. I found this article in the newspaper, and I wanted to show you 
the picture of Martha because she knows what she did and she knows she's getting away with it. And it's a, we're going to have to post this picture. Okay. Here's Martha Beck. Ooh. In this blurb. She's real proud. She's proud of it. <laughs> she's fucking proud of herself because she got away with it. That is a shit eating. That's like, that, that is definitely a proud I'm getting away with it uh, smile. I love it. What I, level of stolen valor is this? Do, do they have a word for stolen dead husband valor? Um, I've never heard it, but I love that he's also Carmen. He's like Italian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a commander. He's a commander. That sounds like it might be yeah. high up. Yeah. Look, I, mean, I, I don't know army stuff. I have no idea, but it does sound important. Like you're commanding people. I have been accused of stolen valor for when I thought I was 1.2% Italian. Oh, right. By friend of the show, Chris Tognati. That's a- Accused me of stealing Italian valor. Because it also disappeared on your next batch. Look, <laughs> 20, 23 and me said for a long time that I was 1.2% Italian yeah. until one day they updated their algorithms and it just gave me more British and Irish instead. Yeah. No one wants that. Excuse me. <laughs> I'd be so mad. I was fucking devastated. If I got that, I would cancel my account. <laughs> Never have to have it updated. Desi, I'm still 1.2% Italian in my heart. Absolutely. I am too. And then I found out that Christmas, I found out that my, my grandfather from Romania, he had lived in Italy for a while. Oh. So I think that counts. He got some, some his DNA was sort of changed by osmosis. <laughs> You know what? The moon did hit hit his eye. Yeah. He's got meatballs in his blood. (laughs) I think that counts. But the deceptions did not stop there. Martha learned that she was pregnant in the spring of 1944. Now, she believed that this pregnancy had occurred from being date raped at a party. And despite her fake husband's death in September of 1943 and her baby being born a year later, Martha told everyone that the father was her late husband, the war hero. Oh. So... Initially. No. Oh, but what was the date rape? Well, she said she thinks she got pregnant from being date raped, but she didn't tell anyone that. I see. So, so she, that's her suspicions, but she told everyone it was her husband. Yes. Okay. Even though the husband died way before. It would have been impossible. Yes. I see. And she's just like, yeah, he's, whatever. He's the I'm fu- a fucking pathological liar. Are I you don't gonna, care. Are you <laughs> going to question a grieving yeah. war widow right. about the, the, the father of my child? No. So that's to, to everyone else as far as the, she, they were concerned. Now, before the baby's birth, Martha met Alfred Beck when she was six months pregnant. They got married in December of 1944, and she became pregnant again with his child shortly after. Oh, damn. So she gave birth, then she got pregnant like immediately after. (sighs) Uh, But this marriage to Alfred Beck was very short-lived, as Martha would discover to her horror that Alfred had an entirely other family. (gasps) She's like, I'm the liar in this family. (laughs) I guess, yeah. Now, Alfred had four children with another woman. And he wasn't with the mom anymore, but this effectively ended 
his marriage to Martha because she couldn't handle that he had lied to her about having four kids. Right. So they divorced. While she was working at her new job, one of the nurses played what many believe to have been a prank on Martha. Oh, boy. This nurse signed her up for a Lonely Hearts Club. Like, hey, we're going (laughs) to... They've just been doing... Like, this is like one of the oldest mean things to do to someone in a... It's just never gone away, too, right? This is one of the reasons why Martha seems so much like Don Davenport to me, where it's just one over-the-top bad thing happening after the other. Yeah, I mean, it does... I mean, it is one of those situations where I'm like, what's real? Well, and that's the other thing. It is very difficult to verify a lot of these claims that Martha made because both her... And Raymond Fernandez were known to be pathological liars. Right. And it's like, you don't want to not believe someone telling you something horrible happened. But of it's course. like, at the same time, what are the chances that one person has so many horrible things happen? Like, it's just like a lot. Yeah. I mean, and there, there's no doubt that Martha wasn't troubled and that I'm sure... There wasn't a lot of, you know, plenty of truth to this. Oh, totally. But we just don't know exactly what she was embellishing on, what actually happened. So Martha gets signed up for this Lonely Hearts Club, and she decided to roll with it because she began began corresponding with Raymond, and she's like, I like this guy. They entered a whirlwind romance via the mail. Raymond even sent cards to Martha's kids, signing them with your New York daddy. That's sexy. Is that- <laughs> I thought you'd think that was really hot. Your New I, York daddy. I did read it wrong at first. I was like, oh, he was signing that to Martha with your New York daddy. That's, yeah. that's an advanced move. Right. No, he just said that to the kids. But they have a dad he is the dad still in the kids lives no okay so he's gone alfred beck yeah yes okay so when raymond attempted to break up with martha she spiraled and attempted to kill herself (gasps) and her children via gas poisoning damn martha and her children were fortunately saved by a neighbor when raymond learned of martha's suicide attempt he invited her to stay with him in new york She arrived with the children, and after a few days, Raymond was at his wit's end having these two young kids around. Right. Martha realized that it was either her or the kids, so she dropped her two sons off at the Salvation Army and left them there. (gasps) Damn. (laughs) Yeah. They were just three and four years old at this time, and Martha would never see them again. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, look... They're probably better off. Honestly, to be fair, Martha doesn't seem like she's wants to be a mom or is cut out Uh, to be a mom at this point. Martha was infatuated with Raymond Fernandez, and she would later say, quote, I loved him so much that if he told me to hold my breath and stop breathing, I would do it. (gasps) That's love. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Desi. That, That right there... That is the definition of love. It's no wonder. It's doing (laughs) fucking stupid things for a person you barely know. (laughs) So romantic. Now, this is... uh, (laughs) We got a lot more to cover next week. We have some more murders to talk about. Right. We have uh, some more revelations about Martha and Raymond. 
okay. coming up. But like I said before, could not fit it all into one episode. Yeah. So stay tuned for next week. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And you go, watched the movie this weekend? I did watch it this weekend. Where was it? Did you rent it? or? It's on HBO Max. Oh, you're right. I just saw it. I think that's why I kept thinking of doing it, because I kept seeing it when I was looking through like horror or suspense, one of those same, categories. Same. And I, I kept seeing it, and I was like, I had always wanted to have us cover that story. Uh, so that, that makes sense now, because I, I do keep seeing it there. <laughs> that's great, though, that but, it's available. Yeah, it's on HBO Max. Uh, it's also... If you have the Criterion channel, it should be up there. Oh, yeah. I right? think it's there, too. So That's right. I, re- I recommend our listeners watch The Honeymoon Killers if they haven't seen it. Yeah. It's, it's a classic film. Yeah. And uh, you got to see this actress who plays Martha Beck. She's fantastic. Shirley Stoller. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, cool. Looking yeah. Looking forward to it. And we're going to record our after show... Oh, yeah. Which is available to our Patreon subscribers. So if you want to have access to the shows that Desi and I record after the main shows where, you know, we get a little more personal. Sometimes. Who knows? We don't know what we're going to say. I honestly forgot we had to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I did, too. I I just, we haven't done a show in a while. I just completely forgot. I know. This Um, This is our first main show back since our break. Yeah. So, okay, great. All right. We're going to go do that and we'll see you all on Friday. Bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.